Hey, it's Craig. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Canadian History X early and ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Greetings and welcome to another episode of Canadian History X. If you like, you can support the podcast for as little as $3 a month. Just go to patreon.com slash Canada EHX. First, on every single tier, you get completely ad-free episodes. And you get a say in what topics I cover on my podcasts. You can also donate to the podcast by going to CanadaEHX.com and clicking donate. Or you can go to buymeacupofcoffee slash Craig U. All of these links are also in my show notes. And for people who donate, I have various levels of benefits. For $5, you get a thank you at the start of the next episode of Canadian History X, Canada's Great War, and from John to Justin, and on social media. For $10, you get everything from the $5, plus this episode is sponsored by, with your name at the start. Also, I'll state it's sponsored by you on social media. For $20, everything from the $5 and $10, plus a second episode sponsored by you, and promotion of something you're working on. And for $50, everything from the $5, $10, and $20 plus, you get to choose a topic for me to cover on Canadian History X. If you like, you can email me at craig at canadaehx.com. You can find me on Twitter. My handle is Craig Baird, C-R-A-I-G-B-A-I-R-D. And I'm on Instagram and TikTok where I put up daily videos about Canada's history. Just go to my username, Bairdo37. And you can find weekly videos on Canada's history on my YouTube channel. Just go to youtube.com slash c slash Canadian History X. If you want to find transcripts of every episode I've ever done, you can go to my website, CanadaEHX.com. And there's over 700 posts on Canada's history there. I also want to say thank you and welcome to my newest patron, Sarah White. Thanks, Sarah. Now, before I start, I want to talk about... The Local History Atlas. This was created by one of my listeners, Ben Woodward, and it's fantastic. It's this wonderful website where you can see a a Google Maps image of Canada, and you can visit all the places in Canada. And within these places are my local history podcast episodes that you can listen to. And one of the great things about it is you can add to it. You can put your own pictures in. You can put your own information. It's creating this wonderful historical mosaic of Canada, and it's a wonderful website. Uh, I have the link in my show notes, but if you also want to visit yourself, it's atlas.digitalhistory.ca, and we can create this wonderful mosaic of Canada's history. All of us, you can learn about Canada's history. If you're going on a road trip, you can use this wonderful site to see where you're going and the amazing things that you can see, so be sure to check it out. Now, let's begin our episode and our look at Ardrossan. Ardrossan has been the territory of the Cree for centuries, long before the arrival of Europeans in the 19th and 20th centuries. The Blackfoot were located to the south, resulting in occasional conflicts, but the Cree's territory stretched throughout the area and into Alberta and Manitoba, all the way to Hudson Bay. 
The bison would also migrate to the area in the summer, providing a valuable food source for the indigenous that would aid them through the long winters of what would become central Alberta. Today, Ardrossan sits on Treaty 6 land. By the turn of the 20th century, the area around Ardrossan was seeing the arrival of homesteaders looking to start a new life in Canada. By 1900, what would become the Ardrossan district had been settled, and with it came schools, churches, post offices, and eventually, a community. The founding of Ardrossan dates back to 1909 when the Grand Trunk Pacific Railway arrived through the area, springing up various communities including Ardrossan. Ardrossan needed a name, and that was where Miss Edmiston comes in. She came from Glasgow, Scotland with her family in 1887, who began to ranch in the area. The oldest of five children, she would help raise the children of the home after her mother died, and she would eventually marry Inspector Snyder of the Royal Northwest Mounted Police, and after time in the Yukon, she and her husband and children bought a farm near the future community. She gave the name Ardrossan in honour of a resort town in Scotland whose name meant Height of the Little Cape. She would sell her farm in 1920 and move back to Scotland, where she would live until her death in 1927. A reverend Dr. McQueen would say of her generous spirit, quote, Wherever she was, she was always looking after people who needed her help. She was a very fine character, and her deeds will live after her. End quote. Now, since I'm talking about her in a podcast nearly a century after her death, I guess he was right. In the early 1900s, a house would be built nearby to Ardrossan that became one of the most impressive buildings in the entire area. The Bremner House was built by James Charles Bremner and his wife Edith, and the couple would live there from 1912 to 1929. William Schroeder would then move in with his wife Nellie and their ten children. They lived in the home from 1930 to 1970, and throughout those years the home served as a meeting place for the area due to its size. Both families were also very active in the community, further increasing the importance of the house in the area. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Today, the Bremner House is a rare example of an early craftsman-style dwelling that has been constructed in a rural location. It continues to stand to this day, a 5,400-square-foot example of a prominent rural home. And in 2009, it was made a municipal heritage resource. I'd like to take a break away from the episode for a second to talk about ExploreNet. I spent most of my life living in rural areas in Canada, and I remember the days of dial-up internet and spotty high-speed service. For the past three years, I have been a customer of ExploreNet, and I can honestly say that it is the best rural internet I have ever had. My job as a podcaster means I spend a lot of time researching online, interviewing people over Zoom, and uploading content. Through it all, ExploreNet has provided me with excellent service. When I'm not working, I enjoy streaming content on several streaming platforms, and even doing some online gaming with a friend in Ontario. ExploreNet allows me to do all of that with ease. Right now, they offer up to 50 megabits per second on their new LTE network with unlimited data. Their service has only become faster and better since I first signed on. 
Today and beyond, ExploreNet is investing in building and upgrading the network at a rapid pace. ExploreNet is rural, and that is their route, and that is their focus. For more information about rural internet options in your area, go to ExploreNet.com or call 1-866-285-2253. Just to the northeast of Ardrossan, there is Elk Island National Park. This park, called an Island of Conservation, is the eighth smallest national park in Canada, but the largest fully enclosed national park in the country. Within those 194 square kilometers, there is the densest population of hoofed mammals in Canada, including moose, elk, and of course, bison. But you'll also find coyotes, beavers, lynx, and more. The area of the park has been used by the indigenous for centuries, and over 200 archaeological remains of campsites and stone tool making sites have been found in the park. After Europeans arrived, the area was used for hunting and timber harvesting until a fire tore through in 1899. At that point, the federal government designed the area as the Cooking Lake Forest Reserve. So the trees were now protected, but the elk, moose, and deer within it were not. In 1906, five men from the area put forward $5,000 and petitioned the federal government to create an elk sanctuary. Called Elk Park, it was given federal park status in 1913 and became an official national park in 1930. In 1907, the Canadian government bought one of the last and largest remaining purebred bison herds from a herd in Montana. Soon after, nearly 400 bison were shipped to Elk Island and then moved on to Buffalo Park near Wainwright. Now, not all the bison made the journey, as about 50 to 70 evaded capture and stayed within the park. These escapees are the ancestors of the 400 purebred plains bison and 300 wood bison that now live within the park. The success of bison in the park has allowed bison to be reintroduced to several places, including northeastern Montana, Alaska, and the Russian Federation. While the bison history of the park is interesting, what I'd like to talk about now is the Ukrainian home within the park. In 1951, this replica Pioneer cabin was built to honor the Ukrainian-Canadians who pioneered in the area. The Pioneer home is a one-story rectangular log structure that has been covered over with white plaster. Its hipped roof is covered with thatch and features a century-located chimney. Ukrainian people came to the area in high numbers during the first few decades of the 20th century, and the homes they built are quite similar to the one that was built in Elk Island Park. The heritage designation of the building states, quote, the Pioneer Home is a very good and attractive example of the traditional form and plan of Ukrainian homesteads. The building also illustrates the settlement patterns of Ukrainians in Western Canada as this region developed at the turn of the century. End quote. The building has remained unchanged since its construction, and the home has become a landmark in the area. And when it was opened, it was opened by Prime Minister Louis Saint Laurent. The landscape around it includes aspen, poplar, and spruce trees with a wonderful view of Estonian Lake. Another thing that makes this building historic is that it was the first museum or historic site ever dedicated to Ukrainian immigration in Canada, and in 1993, it was designated as a classified federal heritage building. I hope you enjoyed that short episode on the history of Ardrossan, and if you did, please leave a rating and review. If you like, you can email me at craig at canadaehx.com. You can find me on Twitter. My handle is Craig Baird, C-R-A-I-G-B-A-I-R-D, and I'm on Instagram at Bairdo37. As well, again, if you want to support the podcast, you can for as little as $3 a month. 
just go to patreon.com slash Canada EHX. And you can donate to the podcast by going to CanadaEHX.com and clicking donate. And I also want to thank all of my wonderful patrons. And I apologize if I get any names incorrect. Sarah White, Tom McMillan, Mike Sullivan, Wendy Mills, Keelan Pringnitz, Michael Matthews, Joanna Parker, Jeff Dahl, Vobbs, Robert Page, Richard T., Colin Johnson, Jeff Hershey, Kyle Murray, Steve Pakin, Matthew Gartho, Lionel Romaine, Dr. Bob Turner, Randy Hayden, Doug Campbell, Reg W., Deborah Carlson, Francis Helbling, Nixon Ree, Shannon Marshall, Clinton Martinez, Dimitri Chauve, Aaron O'Hara Myers, Robert Dunseith, Todd Casey, Catherine Rois, Luke S., J.P. Bear, Jason Hall, Phil Maynard, and Iris Gray. Thanks, and we'll see you again next time.